to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, the Dolphins beat the Eagles 48-10 in their preseason finale. Up next will be the Patriots in week number one on September 11th. We have plenty to get to, lots of takeaways from this explosive, exciting night for the Miami Dolphins, and I want to finish up by giving a thanks and a shout-out to a man I considered a mentor and a really, really good friend. We're not going to play any media tonight because I don't think I can get through that, clipping those off and doing the show in one effort. So we'll go ahead and get to that stuff later in the week. From the Baptist Health Studio inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time That's So the Dolphins win going away in explosive fashion over the Philadelphia Eagles. And man, the numbers across the board, they are what you want to see. First of all, Tua Tungavailoa led drives this preseason. Four of the five have put points on the board. The Dolphins scored 17 points on his three drives with that first team offensive line out there tonight. No to Ron Armstead. Greg Little played in his place. But you got a chance to watch Tyreek Hill do his thing. We'll get to the stats and the takeaways here in just one second. But the Dolphins... Really utter domination. 27 first downs to 13. 6 for 11 on third down to 3 for 13 for the Eagles. 0 for 2 on fourth down. Miami nearly gets a nickel with 494 total yards. The Eagles had 264. Miami 291 through the air. 203 on the ground. They did that on 63 plays. They held the Eagles to 139 through the air. 125 on the ground. Both teams had one turnover. The Dolphins were sacked once. The Eagles were sacked twice. And one of my favorite stats of the preseason, just two penalties for 20 yards. Two penalties, four penalties, and two penalties in the first three games here under Mike McDaniel. Again, albeit exhibition games. But it's a good sign and a good omen going forward. So I want to go ahead and get to our talking points tonight. And let's do the five takeaways first. We'll go ahead and mix in our breaks, and we're going to play some of the game balls feature from the post-game show with myself, Seth, and OJ. And I do want to talk about Jason, but I'm going to have to work up to that. It's not going to be easy. So bear with me, stick with me, we'll get to it. And uh, I'll explain to you why he was such a prominent person in my life and in in this organization's life. And we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him very, very badly. So we'll do that last. Let's talk about some football here. Oh, man. And takeaway number one, I thought it was a cool parallel to practice this week and we only had the one practice against the Eagles of course that practice on Thursday was canceled due to a stomach bug as I think coach McDaniel called it stomach bug gate at his last media availability uh, in the week but we heard from Tua in that one practice after the practice talking about the first play of that session of the Dolphins and Eagles practice session and how they went up top to Tyreek Hill on a double move over Darius Slay, the Eagles' top corner and all-pro cornerback in this league. And Tyreek got him for a long touchdown pass. And sure enough, first play back with Tyreek. I mean, how can you draw it up any better than that? First play in a Miami Dolphins uniform is a 51-yard reception. And me and Seth and OJ talked about it on the postgame show a little bit. And I was saying, you know, I think that between where he would have had to locate the ball over the top 
the time that it takes to get it there because of Tyreek's speed. I felt that if he would have put that ball over the top of Tyreek and the DB, that it probably wouldn't have gone for a completion, but putting it out to the middle of the field where the DB who is in chase mode, he's in, oh, you know what mode. I got to get depth right now because uh, that's Tyreek Hill. If he's even, he's leaving, and that's even before he's even for Tyreek Hill. So I better start to get some depth here and and cover ground quickly because if I don't, uh, it's going to be a long touchdown the other direction. So my only hope of getting back into this play is getting on my horse and going full speed. And so with that, he could probably run through Tyreek if he stays straight. But because the ball comes back to the middle of the field, Tyreek can break that route off and go find that football, flag it down. It's, It's like, you know, basically blind versus not blind. You know, Tyreek has eyes in the ball. The defender cannot because he's in that chase mode. And so I thought the location out in that portion of the field was a good spot for it to kind of throw Tyreek open. But Tua then came out came out after practice and said, or after the game, I should say, and said that I can throw that further and we have a touchdown next time. But again, that middle of the field location, I thought was great. Put that ball in that spot. Might recall that one deep ball that we've seen a million times back in 2020 in the Bengals game. Uh, where he kind of did the same thing, throwing that ball down the middle of the hash marks and giving his receiver a chance to kind of pull away from the defensive back, uh, you know, laterally to give him a clear line of sight to the football and not have to compete for the football. But this is all to say that I thought that in that practice, when they dialed up that first play and Tua said, you know, we talked to Coach Bev and Tyreek and I were like, what should we do here? And they said, why don't we go ahead and, and do the go ball and give this crowd a reason to cheer? And sure enough, they did. And tonight, Sure enough, they did. So that was kind of the first takeaway. It was giving the fans something to cheer about, a 51-yard play. I mean, this offense, we talked about it the last couple of years. If they can just get more explosives, you know, more chunk plays, then you're going to be better off and you're going to have a chance to not make the mistakes that Bog drives down. They get you caught in the red zone where you wind up with three points instead of seven. Penalties that can Bog drives down. There's just so much that can go wrong on a 12-15 play drive. And those are great when you can get them. But it's also nice to be able to pull into the pocket and go with a four-play drive, 75-yard touchdown. When this On this particular drive, 51 yards, 13 yards to Tyreek, both of those. A tw- uh, three-yard run by Mostert, and then an eight-yard touchdown pass from Tua to the Washington State Cougar alum, River Craycraft, to cap off that first drive. But then they come back out. <clears throat> excuse me. You get a 26-yard rip to start the next drive from Raheem Mostert, which essentially puts them into field goal range. Jason Sanders good from 55 there. And then the third drive, you have gains of 7 for Gaskin. Tua to Sherfield for 15. Tua to Wilson for 16. Tua, or I should say Gaskin for 16. Gaskin for 6. Tua to Gasicki for 18. Ahmed for 8. Michelle for 1. Michelle for 1. Touchdown Dolphin, 17 zip at the end of the first quarter. Man, those chunk plays and explosives, they can really put the pressure on the defense, especially when you go up against this Dolphins defense that's so primed at getting stops on third down, putting pressure on the opposing quarterback, creating takeaways, scoring those takeaways as we saw tonight with Elijah Campbell. So the big takeaway for here for me was giving the fans some mature about the explosive plays of the offense. You get that stuff done, you're going to be in good shape. And we'll go ahead and keep this thought going here with the performance of the quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, who is 12 for 15 in the preseason this year for a buck. 79 and a 138.6 passer rating. Skylar Thompson had a 138.3 passer rating. Not too bad for a couple of quarterback performances this preseason. Skylar was very good in this game once again. But man, Tua is in this rhythm, man, where I talk about the deep throw. The shot to Craycraft in the corner for the touchdown was such a pretty throw where you had the underneath route that pulled that kind of curl flat defender down. And then behind that, you sneak in the flag route to Craycraft. Tua saw it. He saw that corner squat in that short area, and he rips that thing to the back pylon with plenty of room for Craycraft to run underneath it. And then you see Tua kind of 
put the hand in the air before the ball's even caught. Like, there it is. That's what I was looking for. Kind of the, uh, you know, the bat flip or the watch your home run after you hit it. You love to see that. So he's playing with confidence. He's playing very well, getting out on the move, throwing the ball into space, anticipation, the uh, the drive on the far hash throw to the comeback to Trent Sherfield for 15 yards. I loved the throw over the middle to Cedric Wilson because once again, a linebacker or any defender for that matter who has their back to the quarterback can only defend the width of their shoulders. And Tua just puts that thing whoop, right over the top of his helmet. Good hands by Cedric Wilson to pull that catch in. But I'm just watching this quarterback that I've seen out here for most of this month of August just dice it up and and go back over my timeline on the practice reports. It is Tua to Sherfield for 15, Tua to Tyreek for 20, Tua to Waddle for 18. It's been consistent in that intermediate portion of the field, and they are hammering it in this game effectively, pushing the ball down the field, scoring points. You have to love to see that. So Tua looks it looks sharp. The offense, given the the uh, crowd something to cheer about out there, Tyreek making plays like he does. Tyreek, uh, two catches, 64 yards, pretty much you know the two plays that he was in there for and making a big impact. It's just you know, I talked to Seth about it mid-game. Like, it's funny. We always ask him where he gets his confidence from. Like, that's where he gets his confidence from. The fact that he can go out there, play two plays, and have – well, he played more than that. But to make two catches and have such a big impact on the game uh, sure is fun to watch. My second takeaway is just the team speed on, on offense, on defense, across the entire football. Uh, I really just thought it was – evident with the Raheem Mostert 26-yard run where he got some space out the outside and got out the gate there. And man, you saw him open that thing up. And I just love when you have that green grass for a back, a guy that can really maximize that and take advantage of it. And shoot, we, we saw it with not just Raheem on the 26-yard run. We saw it with Savan Ahmed on a 28-yard catch and run. And what a great block downfield from River Craycraft on that play. We saw Miles Gaskin just absolutely shredding it tonight with a bunch of big runs and picking up chunks and chunks of yards and the, the speed. They looked a, a step quicker. And it just goes back to what you know Coach talked about with playing at a certain speed and firing off the football. And Liam Eikenberg and Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson and all these guys, Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, talking about how much they, they are looking forward to playing in this system that does benefit guys that can fire off the football and that athletic ability man I thought we saw it up and down the field tonight and with that running game which by the way these numbers are crazy Jared Dokes 11 for 67 6.1 yards per rush Gaskin 6 for 39 6.5 yards per rush Savon 4 for 30 seven and a half yards a run Mostert 2 for 29 that's 14 and a half Saquandre White 6 and a half at 4 for 26 and then Michelle was the only one under six but he had the lone rushing touchdown which kind of shows you what he brings to the table in terms of that thumper that can pound the ball in in the goal line and get you tough yards in those situations so a really productive night run in the football and yeah, I'll tell you, you know, Teron Armstead talked about it earlier this week in training camp about how the the running game was the foundation of what the offense want for everything the offense wants to do, he said. And I think you saw the, a glimpse of that tonight with 35 rushes for 203 yards. And then off of that, all the play action game, that boot where they scored two touchdowns where you boot the quarterback and throw the ball over to the corner, over to the flat and kind of work that area, which works away from the flow of the running game. Gosh, it was impressive to watch. And if they can put together that running effort, those guys have to start cheating gaps. They have to start fitting their runs and pulling the trigger sooner because if they don't, they'll get beat in the running game. And then once they do that, you have to defend the pass on the backside. So that's, I think tonight you saw a good example of why people are excited about this offense around the league, you know, from pundits and, and, and analysts that break this stuff down to the fans. It's a very tangible thing. And then from there, like, you know, Hunter Long, we'll talk about him here in our fourth takeaway. 
here in just a moment, but I thought he was super impressive. And one way they kind of handled the free runner off that weak side edge was some split flow action, which is, you know, uh, split zone is where you have the, usually the, the tight end comes across the formation because everyone takes the same step in the same direction, right? That's zone blocking is you all work in unison in the same direction. And you try to find a, a guy within your spot and you make those blocks and then the tight end comes across that and seals that backside. It's that split flow action. And he was doing that, catching balls, but also anchoring against the pass rush and really doing a good job keeping his quarterback clean. So I think it's it kind of came together in this game tonight as far as what we've seen in practice, what you all, you hope that, you know, Coach McDaniel can bring to this, this team and this offense. I think you saw a bunch of that in this game, in an exhibition game, albeit, but it's better than the alternative, right? It's better than looking bad in a preseason game. Dolphins were very comprehensively good in this preseason game. Let's go ahead and take our first break. We'll come back on the other side and get to takeaways three through five. We'll also play some audio from the post-game show on 560 WQAM. That was tonight with me, Seth, and OJ. Heavy hearts today, but we're going to push through it. Dolphins 48, Eagles 10. We'll go ahead and come back and get to the rest of the takeaways here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. The Drive Time Podcast is brought to you by AutoNation. We're back here breaking down all things Dolphins 48, Eagles 10. And on that team speed mention, I didn't talk about, you know, Jerome Baker and that linebacker role or Cater Cahoo running down the field on a, on a punt and getting down there and making a play. Just the speed that you have all over this roster. If it's important on offense, it has to be important on defense too, right? And we, I think we've seen that in spades this preseason with how this team flies to the football, how they defend certain things, how they attack on offense, the way they stress you that way. Just want to go ahead and make that last point there on takeaway number two. My third takeaway is for a single player, which is pretty rare to do in the preseason, but I really wanted to bring a light to it because Eric Rowe, his value, I think, and maybe I'm just projecting or, you know, kind of, making a, a mountain out of a molehill here, but I don't think that he gets enough credit as far as what I see from what he does for this football team. And there's underrated players all over the league, right? Zach Sealer has been one of the most underrated players in the NFL for a couple of years now, I think. But Eric Rowe, I think, kind of fits that mold because here's a guy who, you know, this Dolphins safety group and the guys that played the most last year between Rowe, Holland, and Jones – they were all cornerbacks as recently as a couple years ago. And that for, for Javon Holland, that was a slot position. For, for Brandon Jones, that was a slot position. For Eric Rowe, that was playing cornerback in the National Football League and for this very football team for a couple of games before he converts to safety. The point is you have so much versatility there and skill sets that can do both. And it all comes back to like coverage at the end of the day. And so I was thinking about this because... A football season can obviously, you know, you can wear a team down with attrition. We've seen Miami, you know, deal with injuries at cornerback. You get Mackenzie Alexander in, and then he's injured in the game, and he's on the IR after, you know, just a short appearance there. Keon Crossan's nicked up. You lose Trill Williams. We saw Nick Needham go down last week. Byron Jones working to get back. So you have attrition that can accrue at a certain position. And I just look at, like, Eric Rowe, for instance, because all the talk I see on, on social is like, well, if, if Byron's not out there, then what's the plan? Do you move Needham? Do you bring someone else? Like, what's the, what's the I guess, the solve to that problem? And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, does it have to be, you know, another cornerback? Can it be Eric Rowe as a safety that comes into the game and gives you that kind of big nickel package where, you know, he and Holland and Jones can take some coverage, you know, responsibilities and try to keep your best five out there or best, you know, whatever it might be. I just think that he adds so much value in terms of that versatility, but also like the fact that he can come down and fit the run. He was 
he was playing that force defender. What that means, your force defender is like the wall to the outside. So like if you hem that guy in, you pin him in, and you get around the, the force defender, you have a big play in offense. So his job is to funnel things back inside. You'll hear it called set the edge. But that force defender is the term for that player or the rat in the hole where you, the safety comes down and has to fill the gap that's vacated by the alignment of the front. And you put that one extra hat in the box to defend the run. That's the rat in the hole role. And he does a lot of that stuff. He is a damn good player. He was setting the edge, fitting the run, putting his shoulder pads into guys' knee, uh, hip pads and knee pads tonight and making tackles. Just Eric Rowe appreciation is the big takeaway here. He's a heck of a football player. Number four, and I don't know the term for this. I, I don't want to use the term bubble guys because that's not what I'm going for here. And far be it for me to, to tell you who's in the bubble and who's not because it's not my freaking decision anyways. But guys that I think really showed well for themselves in terms of either getting a bigger role within the team or possibly, you know, making a case to make the team. Uh, so it can be, you know, any, it can be Tua, for instance, Tua, who really, you know, he's obviously, we know his role here, but you can improve your standing with a performance, right? So I'm going to go down the list here. And how do you not start with Elijah Campbell, who speaking of these versatile defensive backs that can do multiple things and impact the, the game against the rush, which we've seen, you know, the running game or as a pass rusher, he's done that here in the preseason, can go out and cover guys. And he does that tonight by getting off of his, his original route jumping up a, a pass in, a, uh, in the hook zone and making that play and bringing it back for a touchdown with an excellent run back after the fact, by the way. Elijah Campbell's had himself a hell of a preseason and a hell of a camp. Two picks, one back for a touchdown. Noah Igbenogany has a great, great pass breakup in this game that I thought, you know, we talked last year about he's always in good shape, but just kind of locating that ball a, a beat too late and it, it gets him in trouble when the pass is perfect and guys make a, a great play which is you know you can't defend a perfect pass but he's been in great shape so much tonight you saw him reach the arm through poke that thing out get eyes in the football thought that was a great sign to see staying in that defensive backfield Cater Kahu Cater Kohu I should say sorry uh, on special teams getting his butt down there on that great great Thomas Morstead punt which by the way how cool is that to see Thomas Morstead out there hitting 54 yard punts and pinning it to the sideline giving your coverage team plenty of uh, room to go down there and get that guy Great stuff there. It was Cater Kohu on that play that got down there and made the big play. Talked about River Craycraft, four for 54, a touchdown. But he had that block on the Savon Ahmed 28-yard catch and run. That's the kind of stuff that's going to get people fired up about you. These guys that can block downfield like him and Sherfield, we saw it on that first play of the game. 12 personnel, Smythe and Gesicki. Sherfield's a great blocker. It's a very, very, very viable run package. But then you put Tyreek Hill out there, and all of a sudden, even in that two-high shell, you go play action, and they throw it right down the field and get past you. It's just a lot to contend with when you have all these different options at the skill spots. River Craycraft, one of those guys that's, you know, in this deep, deep receivers room, is going to be a tough decision for this Dolphins coaching staff with how many guys they have. But he made a good case for himself tonight. Savon Ahmed, big night. He looks so fast, shifty, making plays in the passing game. Miles Gaskin, I thought, looked as good as he has as a Miami Dolphin. He was quick out there tonight, and he ran with purpose. And then Hunter Long. He, Hunter Long was really, really dang good in this game. Talk about that split flow action, him coming over and anchoring one-on-one on an island by himself and pass protection. The last kind of key to the quarterback having a platform to throw the football from. Impressive work from him there. The first touchdown catch where they poked it out, they overturned it and said it wasn't a catch. That's bang, bang, pretty close. I mean, I'm a Dolphins guy, so I would have given it to him, but... I digress. And then the, the OPI calling him to both those guys jostling back and forth. So it was so cool to see him get another chance to make a play, catch a pass. And this pass, by the way, it, you, you go to the zoom out angle they showed you on the, I don't know if it was the broadcast or in the stadium, but 
it looked like they were like trying to run some kind of rub and he wound up being the one that got rubbed out of the play and all of a sudden it's broken Skylar Thompson has to scramble and make a play and he does and throws it over there and it looks like it's maybe going for the Eagles defender but here comes big number 84 lunging out and laying out right in front of him making that catch and pulling in the touchdown and then he had to wait again (laughs) as they reviewed that thing and they do get the touchdown call there eventually so Hunter Long big night bunch of guys had big nights let's go ahead and go down this list here in case I missed anybody because I don't want to do that but um let's see in order of number Melvin Ingram I thought had a really good night setting the edge talk about Thomas Morstead, you know, Jason Sanders, a 55-yard field goal, made his other field goal and six PATs tonight. He looks fantastic. Jalen Phillips continues to be an absolute menace as a pass rusher. He impacted the game that way tonight as well. Talked about Rowe, Campbell, and Dokes. Zaquandre White looking effective like we've been talking about this training camp with him. He's an impressive-looking player. Just up and down the roster, man. Guys got the job done. We'll be able to get more into the offensive line play. Like I want to see how Greg Little did starting at left tackle. I don't really have a good takeaway for you there. Juice was saying he was a big fan of his game, but I want to go ahead and watch that film, which, by the way, uh, when it comes to the film, I know I said earlier in the week that we were not going to have the film review, but after our lie detectors got a hold of that, they determined that that was a lie because I am going to go ahead and do that and watch this game back and give you guys some feedback on a Monday podcast here on Drive Time. So that'll come your way with the omissions that we didn't get to in this podcast. But those are the names that you know immediately jumped out. Lynn Bowden had the long touchdown, a great run that shows you kind of his ability as a punt returner as well. So good stuff all across the board. And our fifth takeaway is just... You know what? I put Ezukama and Skylar here and didn't get to it. Eric Ezukama and Skylar Thompson. I mean, that's that's been copy and paste the entire preseason. Both of them have been sensational tonight once again. More good work from the two rookies there uh, at the receiver and quarterback position. The fifth takeaway, I just put down how they looked ready to go for week one. And you compare it to where they were two weeks ago and then even last week against the Raiders. Like, I don't think you can say every team comes out of the preseason saying like we look that that was our tune up that looked like we wanted it to look. Let's get to week one. We feel good about that. But the Dolphins sure as heck have to. You know, coach talked about last week missing one or two assignments per play in a game that would cause negative plays and otherwise could be big plays and getting that to, to work and get the chunk plays out of it. You saw that tonight. I just think it's a testament to the coaching staff for the gradual improvement, the process of getting themselves in this position. And, you know, coach says he's not going to shortchange the process by taking shortcuts anywhere. And I think you kind of see that play out here as the Dolphins put together one of the most comprehensive exhibition games I have seen, you know, in 20 years of watching this team, 20 plus years of watching this team. So good work there. And then Seth's point to that last part there that I want to put in here was him talking about how, how many guys got an opportunity to show what they can do and make their plays. Uh, so you, you get good work from the top guys, the starters, you get the work that trickles down and opportunities for everybody in the roster to go ahead and make their impact. Good stuff all around. Let's go ahead and put a pin in it there. We'll come back on the other side. Close this thing up, try our best to anyways, and then we'll also play a segment from the post-game show with myself, Seth, and OJ. The Game Balls portion was a lot of fun to record today. We'll do that next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Back here on the Drive Time Podcast, and I'm sure you've heard by now that we lost a, a, a great, a great man a great husband and a great father and a great leader and a great mentor and someone that meant the world to me, man. Uh, Jason Jenkins, 47 years old, passed away on Saturday. Saying that just sounds ridiculous. It doesn't even sound real to me. 
Um, you know, Jason is why I'm here. Jason was the one that recognized, you know, what I can do as far as engaging the fan base from a positivity standpoint and knowledge of the game and the ability to go on the air and, and talk for, about this team for two hours after the game and one hour after that, after the game on the podcast here and be excited about all three hours of it. Um, you know, went to his house, hung out with his family, my daughters and my daughter and his daughters were playing. Uh, it's just, <laughs> I don't know what to say, what more I can say about him. He was a pillar of the community. He was a absolute pillar of this organization. First time I met the guy, really, really met him. We had breakfast to talk about the potential of this job. And I thought it was like a full-on interview, and I was nervous as hell for it. And he just greets me, starts talking to me about what I'm into, what what would you grow up loving from a sports perspective. Wound up talking about our shared love for the little mini baseball figurines that were called headliners. We both collected those. I met Dan Marino for the first time because Jason made that happen. Just this last week, we went over our two bits that we run together every single time I see him. You know, he called the Mariners a palate cleanser when he'd play, when the Astros would play the Mariners. Jason was a diehard Houston Astros fan from Houston, obviously. And, you know, when I when the Mariners went 1-18 one year against the Astros, he let me know about it. And I would always tease him about, hey, I want to see the tapes, the Texas Tech tapes. He was a cornerback at Texas Tech in college. Said, you can cover Jalen, right? You can cover Tyreek. Release the tapes. I want to see him. And he always got a big kick out of that, that big that big welcoming, greeting smile that just made you feel like no matter who you were, no matter if he met you this week or 10 years ago, he made you feel, you know, made you feel special. And he certainly made me feel that way. So I'm going to miss the heck out of Jason Jenkins. Oh, man, I, I just don't know what to say anymore because he was, he was, he embodied what this sport, what fatherhood, just being a professional, being a man was all about, you know? I'm really going to miss that. I'm not going to close it out tonight. You know where to find me on social. We'll go ahead and play the post-game show segment. Drive Time Podcast, checking out here tonight. Fins up, Caroline. Daddy's coming home. It's game balls time. I think let's go ahead and go to Juice here first because among all the players that had big nights, so many receivers did. That's got to be where you're going, right, Juice? Absolutely not. Oh, Whoa. pivot. Absolutely not, man. <laughs> My man, 15, mm, Jalen yes, Phillips, man. I mean, so much so much speed and power today, man, and, and retracing, you know, all over the place, almost getting to the quarterback or trying to put a, the, you know, a tackle in his lap. I mean, I mean, it's like unbelievable how the last part of this season – a last part of last season has come into this season as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, him and Agba opposite each other, man, so much pressure in the front four that we're going to be able to play some really good coverage in the backside, not have to, you know, uh, you know, allocate another guy from the secondary to get to a quarterback, man. So, you know, 15 is um, coming into his own. He's serious about his craft. He's one of the most serious young guys, second-year guys in the league that I've ever seen. But, man, he – his, his motor is unbelievable, and his strength is unbelievable, it's, you know. And, and uh, so I, I was watching that from the beginning. I just kept watching him, you know, you know going after, you know, catching a, a running back from the backside or being in the quarterback's lap or pushing this guy in there, man. So I, I'm just I'm, – I'm all in on Jalen Phillips right now, man, and he's having fun out there like everybody else. And, you know, Drew, I think he drew a holding po- call as well today. You know, that's always a sign of a guy that's, that's kicking somebody's butt. 
and you know are doing big things out there when uh, you know they're paying a big big attention to him. So I got 15 today. I think the Eagles are excited to get out of town for many reasons because yeah. of the performances and practice and here today. But I think for Jalen Phillips because he was wearing the orange jersey in the lone practice. Of course, Thursday's got right. canceled because of the stomach bug issue, which. Uh, that's a whole other thing, I suppose. But then he went out there and had a couple more sacks in the two-minute period against the Eagles in that practice and might have gotten the orange jersey again. If they do, I, I doubt they do it outside of training camp, but if they did it, it would be him. So Juice takes a defensive and a pass rusher. I imagine that's where you're going to go, Seth, because that's where you usually live, in the defensive end position. It, it, it is, but, you know, if Juice is going defense, I'm going to come over the offensive <laughs> side of the ball, and what the heck, I'll pick a receiver. I'm going with your guy, River Craycraft, <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> all day. All day we were hearing that, Juice. I, I thought it was static. It was actually some crazy chant, apparently, they do out there. Four catch. 54 yards of course the touchdown if you didn't know Travis had a great view of that touchdown <laughs> but it was a fabulous route he did have a drop but I, I don't even care about that because Teddy went right back to him made a great grab on the sidelines and I just think the guy who puts points on the board early gets you rolling uh, so I think that you know look Tyree Kill certainly uh, just infused all kinds of excitement into the stadium this offense everything but River Craycraft, I, th- I do not think you can overlook his performance. For a guy who's fighting for a job today, and he showed up ready for the fight, got, got to make some plays early, made them often. And Travis said if you go with Craycraft, you better not forget the fact that he also had a great block on the 26-yard run by Mostert. Was that the play? Uh, Ahmed. On, oh, by Ahmed. Ah- on yeah. Ahmed. Oh, on the, on the, uh, yep. the little pass play yep. there. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, just doing everything <laughs> you can. That's what we do. I didn't see it, but he made sure. So even on my own game ball, <laughs> Wingfield had to make sure. If he didn't, if he didn't go to your alma mater, would, would you have made, you know, of made course those not. demands? Okay. <laughs> All right. So River Craycraft gets my game ball. I mean, I was also talking about Gardner Minshew being out here. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't help myself but say that was a pretty good throw by Minshew uh, during some of the good throws he had in practice. The only times I wouldn't tweet about our guys was when Gardner Minshew was doing his thing. That's, that's the all-time legend at it's WSU there. So my game ball. You know, I thought about this, and I actually changed from when we last talked about it, so you guys are getting are a curveball Are you going off script like we did? Of course. Uh, yeah, because I was going to go Tua, but we talked about Tua so much that he really does get my game ball here. Six for seven, 121, touchdown, 158.3 rating. But I'm going to give out two. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and pivot my answer and give one to Hunter Long because mm, I can get down with that. I think I like he that. had two touchdowns tonight. Say what you will about the no call with both guys hand fighting. Seth, you were you were pretty big on the fact that he got pulled more than he pulled the other guy. I was grabbing him by the I collar. I don't understand that call. He, he, the ref was shielded a little bit by the action, so we have that to go off of, and you can't review that. But they did review the catch and said he didn't make the catch which I also didn't get that but whatever he came back later has another touchdown catch his first of the exhibition season his first as a Miami Dolphin in fact and it was funny because they made him wait for that one too with a review of that play but if you watch that play exactly he it looks like they're trying to rub a, run a rub on the defender and he's the one that gets rubbed and then he has to kind of go off script and, and broke breaks the route and then he lunges in front of an Eagles defender and makes the catch at the front pylon and then he has to wait for the review and I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw him out there but he put his hands up like oh thank God it finally <laughs> finally something counts and, yeah. and then so there was that and then also. I thought he was digging guys out in the blocking game. There was a, another run where Ahmed got the edge, where he was a big part of that that seal on that edge. And then there's a play juice, and I, I'm curious to get your take on this because one thing I noticed last week against the Raiders was how they kept blitzing that weak edge against our bootlegs, which we know is such a pivotal <laughs> aspect of this offense. And one thing I've seen them counter that with is Hunter Long split flow motion comes across the formation, and he kind of just anchors against that unblocked edge. 
and it's working. It's yeah. working really good. They're getting some time to for Skyler, for Tua, for Teddy to get time off the edge. So Hunter Long, run game, pass game, a couple of good weeks for him now. He's really built momentum for week number one. Yeah, solid game. That's a good call. That's a good call right there. And we talked about that. And, and uh, you know, when you start looking back at his game as a whole, you have to he has to be in the mix. And uh, definitely a, a heck of a game. Uh, Two terrible calls on one play. I thought the, the touchdown that actually he got, I thought that we were looking at as a combo on that play, coming down the side, you know, coming back, mm -hmm. back from the back of the end zone in, a, in that situation. But, yeah, Hunter flashed and made the play. You know, you got to be aggressive. As a common one, they had to come get it, and Hunter won and went and got it. Well, Skyler also had a little, uh, you know, he had a little action there in his face, falling back, back foot, uh, yeah. probably a throw, you know, ill-advised maybe is the yeah, word. That I think I, I don't know where they're at right now. I hope he's taking Hunter <laughs> out for, you know, let me buy you a beer or something because it, it would have ruined his incredible passer rating here with the with one interception. But great play by him, and I thought, you know, he mixed it up in the run game, as you said. So I like the choice, Travis, but of course you wouldn't be Travis Wingfield <laughs> if you didn't give out more than one game ball but i think we we should give out a collective game ball don't you think yeah I, I know even yep. steph the specialist was in on this one uh that um you know we've talked about him all day but uh again you know to, to the boss man a game ball not just for today but for all that he's accomplished and the legacy yeah. that he's left yeah for sure no doubt about it man yeah it's i, I just got an alert from my yahoo sports app about him yeah. There's a story already up. And just you can see the impact across the, the entire National Football yeah, League landscape, absolutely. man. Like it, it's funny. To, it was funny to hear Tua talk about that because there was that period between PR managers and, um, you know, Ann wasn't here yet. And he was talking about kind of getting to know Jason in that time. And like you just don't you don't realize how many people he touched in the organization from players to, you know, stupid podcasters making outrageous <laughs> claims on their on their show every day like I do. So it's like he just. <laughs> Man, he's he, he impacted the entire organization. You heard the impact that he had on Mike McDaniel. Like, that was what really got me, Juice, yeah. because that's that was there was nothing inauthentic about what Coach said, and he knew the guy for a few months. That's right. just who Jason was. He right. made you feel that special. Yeah. After only known him for that long, so. Yeah, man, boss man, game ball for sure. So many, many more, many, many more, man. He'll get an honorary one. Every dub we get. That's right. Jason gets one. On sure. this show, that, there's no doubt about that. Every game we get a dub, it's it's going to. To the boss man, to Jason Jenkins. So, again, uh, you know, we're thinking about his family tonight and certainly thinking about all the people that are impacted by his loss. So we'll come back and get to some more football here on the other side. Um, we're just, you know, trying to fight through this one. It's a tough show for us. We'll get, we'll get it done.